0: Good morning, everyone. Like Andrew said, my name is Wes, and I am the pastor of students at Highland Park Prez. And honestly, I'm so psyched to be here with you this morning. Like already, this worship has been so good for my soul. So it really is a gift to be here worshiping with you. Um, My wife is named Caroline. She is way better than me in every way. And we are just coming off of an extended vacation which was super awesome and should have resulted in me feeling really rested, but how often do we actually need a vacation from our vacation? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like when you get out of town, then coming back and trying to reenter into the daily flow of life can be super challenging. So I don't know about you, but when I'm in situations like this, I start kind of getting stressed out and I'm spinning internally about how stressed I am. And then that makes me more stressed and it affects my mental, my physical, my spiritual health. And so then I try to find things to de-stress myself, like different things that I can do. Uh, So what are some of the ways that y'all de-stress yourself? Just shout them out, I'd love to hear some examples. Eat. Okay, that's great. I love I-, I love eating. What's something else from someone out here? Yeah, music. That's awesome. Any more? De stress, sleep. Okay, yeah, I gotta work on that. Like insomnia is kind of a thing right now, but that we'll we'll pray later. Was there one in the back? Walking, okay, great, great. I love that. Walking, a lot of people say exercise. Like for me, exercising is really big. Um, one thing that I didn't hear, however, was listening to podcasts. Uh, anyone here into true crime? Yeah. Um, my wife and I love it, which probably raises some questions. But I was listening <laughs> Yeah, I was listening to my favorite true crime podcast this week called Crime Junkies, and the hosts were sharing that uh, over the past couple weeks, they've been meeting with some fans who said that their podcast has helped them get through panic attacks, uh, mental health concerns, social stress, the list goes on and on. Um, And as I was sitting and thinking to myself about this for a while, I realized, like, I love true crime, and that's great. And even though listening to podcasts about it is fun and relaxing for me, I know that there is a greater peace that will bring me rest more than anything else I can do, a peace that can only come from God. And as people who believe in the risen Jesus, we have a different way. We have this different way. Um, and if you have a Bible with you, or if you want to check it out on your phone, we're going to be looking at Psalm 4. Um, it's right at the beginning of Psalms. It goes one, two, three, four, um, which like, I have to remind myself sometimes. But <laughs> Psalm 4, and I'm going to be looking at the NIV translation. Uh, let's take a look at it together. It says this, answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. So tremble and do not sin. When you're on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me super quick. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill this space right now. I pray that you would fill me, fill each of us with your presence, Lord, just so that we would hear your voice louder than any other voice. Please bless our study this morning. Draw us closer to you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Uh, This psalm is probably my favorite one out of all of them because it speaks to the kind of solidity that only God can offer. It has this centering quality that for me personally kind of opens my heart to God's perfect peace. In the Anglican tradition of Christianity, there is a prayer service called Compline or Compline. We were talking about it earlier. I think it's like a tomato-tomato kind of thing. Um, But in her book, Prayer in the Night, Reverend Tish Harrison Warren makes Compline the focal point of the whole book. Um, And she explains that it's part of what's called the daily office in the Anglican tradition, which is really just a series of prayers that are repeated at different times throughout the day to connect all Christians to God together. All of these prayers are written based off of scripture. There's a lot of the psalms in the daily office, um, and the words of scripture are prayed out in the prayers. Uh, Compline is the prayer that you're supposed to pray just before going to bed, and Psalm 4 is a big part of it. Even though I'm not Anglican, I personally have adopted the practice of praying Psalm 4 at night as a way to remind myself of God's peace before trying to fall asleep. And if you look at the scripture through the lens of someone trying to get ready to sleep, the psalm carries a different weight because sleep is where we get some of our most important rest and rejuvenation. If you can't sleep, you can't function and your stress and anxiety will magnify themselves. I mean, how many of us toss and turn because we're weighed down and stressed out about something? How often do we try to find fixes for this that actually have no connection to God? Psalm 4 is a reminder of the peace that God can give us that will truly bring us rest. Let's read it again with that in mind. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me. Hear my prayer. How long will you, people, turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin. When you're on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Many, Lord, are asking who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. In peace, I will lie down and sleep for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. You alone, Lord. The psalm touches every type of stress and anxiety that could possibly keep us from peace. Verse two touches on judgment from others and being put down. It talks about insecurity and being caught up in false idols or false gods. One thing that people who are closest to me are constantly telling me is that I need to slow down and do a little less. I'm I'm kind of like a type A guy. Maybe you're not reading that from where you're sitting, but I I am. Coffee. (laughs) So um, I can tend to be a little bit of a workaholic because I love moving things forward And I honestly always want people to think that I'm successful and doing a good job. It's an idol for me. And because I work in ministry and I'm serving others, it's really easy for me to delude myself into thinking that I'm overworking for God's glory when I'm really doing it so that people will think that I'm successful and that I'm doing a good job. That's a false idol. And that causes stress and anxiety and burnout in my life. If you're living for an idol, you're living for something that's not alive and that can't breathe new life into you. So you're burning all of your energy for something that just takes and takes. However, our God is a God who gives. He gives us peace, he gives us new life. For me, when I evaluate and understand that I'm working to make other people think I'm awesome, it starts to make sense why I feel so much stress around work. I can't read people's minds, so I'll always be stressed out about whether or not I'm doing something that's impressive enough, burning all my energy and stress into an idol. God, who is alive, does the opposite. He wants to replenish us and bring us new life with his peace. Moving on, looking at verse 4, we see temptation and addiction. One of the primary stressors that can cause us to dip into places where peace is absent. One of my all-time favorite singers is Stevie Nicks from Fleetwood Mac. Maybe you've heard of her. She's got that kind of like gnome sounding voice. I don't know. I'm not going to do an impression, so don't look at me, Andrew. She is an international treasure. And I saw this interview of her one time where she talked about her past struggles with drug addiction. In that time of her life, she created incredible music that touched a generation, but she didn't feel free. She was stuck. Addiction, temptation, and ultimately sin are what we choose above God to try to manufacture peace for ourselves, because it can so easily turn into an idol. But this never really works. You can have a great night out, With your friends, that completely alleviates your stress in the moment. But when you wake up the next day, you're right back where you were. This is why the psalmist calls out to be silent and to avoid sin, to prepare our hearts to receive God's peace. In verse 5, they say that we must trust the Lord instead of taking matters into our own hands. Trusting God is easier said than done, but it's the formula that Jesus lays out for receiving peace. We'll talk about that more in a minute, but trusting God is the key to everything in this psalm. Then verses six and seven address the ultimate stressors. Who will provide for us and how will we deal with comparison? That's why we work, right? Like we we need to provide for ourselves so that we can live. You got to have food on the table and, and shelter and we can't just expect it to appear for us because that's not how the world works. But then sometimes when we work and when we're trying to provide for ourselves and our families, comparison comes in. The grain and new wine of the person next to us is abounding. And all that ours is doing is maintaining itself or depleting. This is why we need the light of God's face to shine upon us. This is why we need the Lord to fill our hearts with joy so that we can release these stressors, this worry, this anxiety that they cause and allow the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with peace. God is the only one who can give us peace that leads to rest. So we've talked a little bit about stressors that cause anxiety and that keep us from rest, but what actually is the peace from God that brings us rest? In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus is talking to his disciples and says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He's comforting them about the fact that he's going to leave them one day, but will eventually return. Jesus says that his peace, the peace of God, is not what the world gives. This is because peace is not the absence of worry or the alleviation of stress. I'm gonna say that again. Peace is not the absence of worry or the alleviation of stress. It's trusting God with that worry and stress. Like I said, trusting God is the formula for peace. The world would look at stressful circumstances and try to find something to do to bring peace. And truly doing things helps alleviate stress. Those true crime podcasts give me another thing to focus on so that my mind can take a break. But they don't bring actual peace because the stress is still there when I finish them. It comes back. True peace that gives us rest can only come from God and from trusting him with what we're walking through. This is the message that Psalm 4 reminds us of. We have to begin and end our days by choosing to trust God when we wake up and when we go to sleep. But what would it look like for this to be part of our daily prayer practice? How can we live into this and practice this formula for peace that gives us rest? I have three suggestions of things that can help open our hearts to receive God's peace. And they are to keep praying, to keep listening, and to keep trusting. And and within these three things, the word keep is intentional because it's a reminder that we'll face times where we must keep doing what we do even if it feels like God is absent or nothing is changing. In continuing these practices, it's almost like the repetitiveness opens our eyes to see how God is moving in a new way. So keep praying. What do I mean by that? The guy who wrote this psalm does not know what to do. When you read Psalm 4, it reads like the writer is in the middle of this tough spot. They're really, really struggling. They feel like God is not there. But instead of turning away from God, they reach out to God, passionately praying and completely honest about where they're at spiritually, physically, and emotionally. The psalmist says that they're distressed and that they're in shame. These words evoke powerful emotions that represent the writer's naked heart. So many of us feel wary of being completely vulnerable with God because we worry that he won't accept our true feelings. The fact of the matter is, though, that God knows what is going on with us more deeply than anyone ever could. And this is why we need to keep praying to him, even if we're angry or sad or confused. Admitting this and talking to God about it allows the Holy Spirit to start taking away the stress. Throughout my life, I've prayed sad prayers, angry prayers, prayers that felt normal and happy, and prayers, honestly, that were half-hearted, where I didn't really believe what I was saying. Wherever you're at today at church this morning is completely fine, but we must pray as we are, giving all of ourselves to God. Jesus gave all of himself for us on the cross when he died to bring us salvation and restoration. And God met him in that. And he will meet us in those places when we pray with all of ourselves because he was always there to begin with. We need to keep praying. And so keep listening. I think it's so cool that at the beginning, Emily made us stop and listen and that was completely unplanned. Um, But like that's exactly what this practice is. The psalmist not only says that the Lord hears when we call to him, but he also points readers toward moments of silence and listening. He says, tremble then and do not sin. When you're on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. This is a call to come before the Lord, but to also not always be the one who does all the talking. This sounds counterintuitive to some of us. And I mean, I have to admit, I'm always talking. Like I literally, my wife, like I'll get home from work and she's like, just be quiet. But I, I can't help it. I'm very social. Um, and I, I don't usually hear God talk back to me. So the idea of being silent and listening to God sounds really hard. When we make space to listen though, that's where true richness can come. Even in the middle of difficult times. in listening, Even if we don't hear something back audibly, our hearts can be filled with joy, or we can feel new direction toward God through the Holy Spirit, like the psalm writer alludes to. This is all God and none of us. We're not the ones that make God speak, so it makes sense that listening is important. Over the past weeks, I felt panicked about different things going on in life and needed to be the one that blabbered everything in my prayers to God. Praying for things is not bad, and we need to keep doing that. I mean, that's the first practice we talked about, keep praying. But if we neglect the practice of listening to God, then we risk missing out on the special beauty in our relationship with Jesus that can only come from listening. Listening is where we hear peace, even if all we get back is silence. It's where our heart connects to God's. So finally, keep trusting This might sound like a no-brainer because we've been talking about it a lot so far in this sermon, uh, but it is actually a practice that takes a lot of work, especially for me. Trusting God is something that we are called to do regardless of whether we prosper or not. I felt this a lot throughout my life, but one example that comes to mind is when I was getting married. My wife, Caroline, and I got engaged in August of 2020, so you can probably guess where this is going, Um, and we were supposed to get married on May 15th, 2020, Honestly, it's the best anniversary date ever, 5, 15, 20. It's like super easy to remember. So I think she did that intentionally. I didn't do anything. Um, And we had a wonderful, wonderful season of engagement. And we're starting to get really excited for our celebration when the pandemic hit. And we had to cancel our wedding. And this was one of the hardest seasons that we've ever walked through. And both of us spent a lot of time struggling with why God would do this to us. Eventually though, uh, they created a rule where you could gather outside with 10 people and we decided that we still wanted to get married on our wedding date. And so we had a small ceremony in my parents' backyard that ended up being so beautiful and special. It felt scary and hard, but we trusted that the Lord was in it with us on 5-15-20. And everyone was safe. The Lord gave us so much joy in the middle of a trying time. And then a year later, we were able to redo our big wedding day, and it felt even more special because of having to walk through what we walked through in 2020. But I never would have been able to comprehend the blessing of that if I hadn't chosen to trust the Lord with what was happening. Um, And it was something that I actively chose. I didn't feel it in my heart. I had to say like, God, I trust you with this, because none of this was what we originally wanted. But God knew and still knows where he's taking us. And Caroline and I still choose to trust that. You see, when you commit to the practice of trusting God, it doesn't mean that things will go your way. But what it means is that you're willing to follow him, even if it leads you through pain, because Jesus is the ultimate blessing, and the satisfaction that we get from him is above all else. Jesus is the center of everything. And so I don't know where you're at this morning, Maybe trusting God and and listening and praying to him sounds really great to you, and maybe Jesus is kind of hard for you to believe in today because of what you're walking through. Wherever you are, though, know that that's okay. Church is a place where we can be where we are because we follow a God who meets us where we are. And when we keep praying, listening, and trusting, we allow the Holy Spirit to give us peace that brings us true rest from the Lord. It isn't something that we can do for ourselves. It's a free gift that we're given if we want to receive it, and if we keep practicing these things and allow the Holy Spirit to fill our heart. So know that you're invited into that peace and the rest that it brings through what Jesus did for you on the cross, and that whatever stress or trials you have in life, that it's worth it to receive the peace that comes from trusting Jesus with those things. So before I close in prayer, I want us to practice this together. Um, I'm gonna read Psalm four one more time, um, but I'm gonna lead us through it as a prayer. Uh, where, and as I pray, I'm gonna create space for all of us to pray, to listen, and to trust. And I'll prompt you with those things. But remember that this peace is a gift as we pray. And that by continuing to practice these things, we can help our hearts be ready to receive it. And this is something that I encourage you to do as you go forward from here as well. Psalm 4 is always in there after Psalm 3 and before Psalm 5, so you can always get back to it. So please bow your heads and pray with me. Lord, we pray that you would answer us when we call to you, because you're righteous. We pray that you would give us relief from whatever's distressing on us, that you would have mercy on us and hear our prayer. We pray to you now, Lord, hear our prayers that we utter silently in our hearts. Hear our prayers, Lord. We ask how long will people turn our glory into shame, How long will we ourselves struggle with delusions and seeking false gods or idols that are not alive and are not you? Lord, we know that you have set us apart as your faithful servant. Lord, that you have set us apart for yourself and that you hear when we call to you. Lord, so we tremble and we will do our best to not sin, when we're on our beds, when we're in our life, when we're walking through this world, Lord, we search our hearts in silence before you. And so, Lord, we create this space now to listen. Please, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Lord, we offer the sacrifices of the righteous to you. We, we give you ourselves, our hearts, and we trust in you. We claim that we trust you, Lord, because many of us are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Lord, how are we gonna make ends meet? How are we gonna make life work? And Lord, we pray that the light of your face would shine on us, that you would fill our hearts with joy, even when other people's grain and wine abound, when they're doing better than we are. Lord, we don't want to be jealous. In peace, we want to lie down and sleep and trust that you alone, Lord, make us dwell in safety. And so we take a moment now, Lord, and we trust you with whatever we have going on, Lord. Let your light shine upon us. We trust you, Jesus. And in your name we pray. Amen. So. Like Andrew said earlier, this table here is a sacrament, meaning that it's something that we set apart to remember Jesus. And like how I was saying earlier, how trusting God is the formula for peace, this table is another way that we can practice trust. Because at this table, we remember Jesus, and we believe that the Holy Spirit is present here with us in our remembrance. And so, just like the disciples did that night, I want to invite you in your heart to sit here at this table with me.